So it's hard to believe that we are already in our final week of Lent before we make the turn towards Holy Week next Sunday. The Holy Week is a spiritual journey that the church takes with Jesus, and it starts with his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, then his last meal with his disciples, before his suffering and death on the cross, and finally his resurrection. So as part of making that turn for us towards Holy Week, um, this morning I'm gonna lead us in a practice called Ignatian Contemplation. Sometimes it's referred to as an imaginative gospel contemplation. I can already sense some of you being like, uh-oh, <laughs> what's she gonna lead us in now? What's she gonna make us do? So from time to time, and actually, Kevin, I'm wondering, I'm feeling a lot of, um, getting a lot of feedback. Shall I switch to this wire, to the wireless instead? Check, testing. How does this, check, testing. How's that, is that better? Okay, all right. So from time to time um, on Sunday mornings, instead of a sermon that we preach, we teach a spiritual practice. Um, especially since a lot of folks can't make it to our midweek gatherings, uh, what we do is we bring these practices to you. And these are practices that help form us, you know, forms our loves, forms our hearts as we follow Jesus and growing in our love for God, for our neighbor, for ourselves, and for our world. So the lectionary readings today of Ezekiel with the Valley of Dry Bones and then the story about Jesus um, raising Lazarus from the dead, um, they help us make this turn into Holy Week. So during Lent, we've been focusing on the practice of the Sabbath, which is um, this golden thread of rest that is woven all throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And we've been talking about how the Sabbath is this sign, this like inbreaking of the eternal into time. And the Sabbath is the sign that grounds us in God's goodness as our creator and in God's freedom as our liberator. And we see the same thing in these stories today. God's goodness as our creator, the one who gives life, the one who has power over death, and God as our liberator, the one who frees us from bondage and the systems of bondage that oppress and dehumanize us. So there's a valley of dry bones that becomes this multitude of breathing, breathing living human beings, and this beloved brother and friend who died being called back from the grave. It's an inbreaking of the eternal into time. And it's this foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus. So Ignatian contemplation was popularized by Saint Ignatius of Loyola, who I'm a big fan of. And what it does is it draws on our imaginations as a way of helping us pray and to enter into this scriptural story. Now, sometimes in scripture, um, not in sometimes in scripture, in, in Christian circles, um, praying with scripture in this way or using our imaginations is sometimes seen as suspect because it's like your imagination could lead you anywhere. It could lead you down the road of error. You know, we got to stick to like truth and our intellect and studying the Bible. Uh, that's the only thing that we can really trust. If we just believe right doctrine, everything else will follow. So this... Um, is sometimes also wrapped up in a suspicion of feeling and emotion. And the way that I see this is this, is a, this kind of bifurcated way of thinking is a sad and misguided result of Western, sort of European enlightenment-formed Christianity. 
Human beings are whole. Your body, soul, mind, spirit, feeling, imagination, all of that is given by God as a good gift. And all of them are means of encountering and experiencing God in them. Every aspect of who we are can lead us to God. So I want to say that this kind of imaginative prayer, it can be hard if you're sort of more of like a left brain oriented person. Um, any left brain people in the room? All right. <laughs> Got at least one over here. Um, and, you know, who maybe struggle with sort of the visual or even struggle with the emotional. Um, and it can be hard for me too. And I'm actually a very visual, very imaginative kind of a person. And I've actually only done this kind of prayer a few times, and I've actually never led it before. So um, you can give me feedback afterwards. But I want you to invite you, wherever you fall in that spectrum, just to invite you to practice openness. Just be open. You know, don't be dismissive because it feels uncomfortable or weird. But just put yourself in the posture of being teachable. I mean, that's what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Christ. So it involves basically four steps, and I'm going to lead us through this. So the first step is where we're basically just preparing ourselves. Rather than just launching into it, we breathe, we get centered, we just become present to the present moment, to kind of ourselves, to God, to this space. And then secondly, we ask God for grace and for guidance, right? We understand that everything is a gift from God. We know we can't like think our ways or like will ourselves into something, but we just open ourselves up to receive God's grace. And we ask God for the guidance of God's Holy Spirit as we pray. Then the third thing is then we imagine this scene. Okay, don't think about like, well, was that in scripture or not? And we place ourselves in the story. So like, what do we see? What do we hear? What are the expressions on the people's faces? Um, what do we even taste and feel in some cases? So we use all of our senses. And then the last and fourth, fourth and final step is then we just talk to God. You know, we talk to Jesus as a friend would talk to a friend. So we'll just walk through those four steps. And... Um, Preparing ourselves, asking for grace, imagining ourselves in the scene, and then just talking to God about it. Um, and so I'm going to ask you right now to just get comfortable in your seat as we prepare ourselves. If you've got anything in your hands, just you can lay it to the side. Just place both feet on the ground. Let your posture be attentive, but not rigid. And I invite you to close your eyes. And just place your hands with your palms facing upward in your lap or downward. Whatever feels most comfortable to you. And just take a moment to breathe. Just a few deep breaths. In through the nose and out through the mouth. Just take your time with this in your own time. And just breathe. Remember that the Spirit of God is described as being breath, the very life of God within us. And just 
Pay attention to your breath, that life within you. And if you get distracted at any moment in this meditation, or your mind starts wandering, or you're finding it hard to focus, just keep coming back to your breath, that place that connects you with God and with life. And even if you do this just the entire time, that's okay. Connect with the Spirit of God in you. Just breathe. In this next movement, we ask for grace, the grace of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us, to guide our imaginations into God's truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, where we are. And maybe it's just as simple as, just here I am, Lord. Help me to be present to you right now. Help me to see you. I want to see you. I want to hear you now. Help me to receive what you desire to give. Maybe you're saying, I've got so much noise and chaos in my heart and life right now. Just still me, quiet me in your presence. Illuminate the darkness in me. Open my heart to what you desire to do and say. Just ask for that grace of God. Spirit, we just ask that you come right now and illuminate our imaginations. Help us to see what maybe our rational minds can't see and lead us into that deeper place of your beauty and your glory and your truth. Come, Lord. And now we imagine the story where we begin with a family in crisis. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And this isn't just any family. They are friends of Jesus. He loves them. And their home has been a safe place for him in the midst of busyness and pressure and conflict in ministry. And these sisters send him word that Lazarus, the one that you love, is ill. He's dying. We don't know how much longer he's going to be with us. So help him. Help us. Come to us. We need you now. But Jesus delays. And for reasons that our human minds can't understand, 
Jesus doesn't fix things instantly. This one whose scripture tells us healed a centurion's servant from a distance. He just said the word and the servant was healed. That he delays when his own friend is dying. And Lazarus dies. He's laid in the tomb and four days pass. So picture this scene in your mind. Jesus is walking with his disciples towards Bethany. What does the road look like? Maybe it's hot and dusty with the sun beating down on them. Maybe it's raining and their feet are all muddy from the road. See the town coming closer and the houses coming into view. And in the distance, you see a figure coming out to meet them. It's Martha, the older sister. She's the glue that holds the family together, always so responsible, so in control of the situation, the one who takes care of everyone, the protector and the provider of the family. And as she comes closer, what does she look like? What is the expression on her face as she approaches Jesus? What might she be feeling as she sees him? Out of the gate, Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What feels true, if he had been there, her brother would not have died. And Jesus responds by saying, Your brother will rise again. She goes to that right theology. I know Lazarus will rise again on the last day because I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God. And maybe in that moment, she feels solace in that truth. It gives her comfort in that moment, even in the midst of her grief. Maybe she said that, but she was actually feeling something very different on the inside. So then she goes back to her sister Mary and tells her, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. Mary, the younger one, the one who bucked tradition, and instead of helping her sister in the kitchen, she sat down with all the men at the feet of Jesus, listening to every word, drinking in everything that he said. She didn't care what others thought. She just wanted to be near Jesus. She loved him. Mary gets up now, 
and all those grieving with her. And she rises up. And they follow her out to meet Jesus, where she falls down at his feet. What do you imagine that scene was like? What's happening in this moment? And Mary says to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Period. No right theology gives her solace. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus, I've seen you heal the sick and give sight to the blind. I've seen you make the deaf hear and the lame to walk. Why couldn't you have done it just this once for us? Why couldn't you have just said the word? When Jesus sees her weeping before him, all those grieving with her, he is overcome, moved in spirit, and the tears come, streaming down his own face. Can you imagine it? God grieving and weeping right alongside of his creation, right in the middle of that death and that sorrow and love, he weeps. And Jesus, deeply moved, walks over to the tomb where the body of, of Lazarus lays to a cave with a stone lying over it. Can you see it? That cave, that grave. And he says to those who are present, take away the stone. Take away the stone. What is he doing? What is he doing? Can you put yourself in the shoes of someone in the story? Maybe it's Mary or Martha, the disciples, one of the crowd who's watching. Maybe it's even seeing this moment through the eyes of Jesus. Maybe you smell the stench of decay coming from the opening in the darkness. What might you be thinking or feeling in this moment? And then you hear Jesus say, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me. 
but I've said this for the sake of those standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. And you hear Jesus cry out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Come out from the grave. Come out from bondage. Come out from death. Come out from that darkness and step into the light. You are alive. You're dead no longer. And you are free. Free to come out of that darkness into the light of God and the light of life and the light of this world and the light of this love that surrounds you. I love you, Lazarus. And I'm calling to you and I'm calling you forth. Come out. There's silence. And then a rustle that would make your heart jump out of your chest. A figure emerges from the darkness with strips of cloth wrapped around him, that burial shroud covering that familiar and beloved face. It's Lazarus brother and friend, beloved, alive again. Where are you in this scene? What are you feeling in this moment? As we sit with this story, just imagine that you're turning towards Jesus now. And in this final move, we talk with Jesus as we would a friend. Maybe you just have questions. Maybe you're moved to say or to do something. Just spend time with Jesus and listen as he responds to you. As you bring this place of grief or sorrow or death for yourself, for another, for our world. And just spend that time with Jesus and listen to what he says to you. You can also just sit and be with Jesus in this moment. I'm going to just give us a minute, and then I'll close us in prayer.
Jesus, in this world of sorrow and death, you are the Lord who meets us here. You're Emmanuel, God with us in it. And you weep with us. You come alongside us. There's so many questions, so much mystery. We don't always understand why things happen as they do. But we come, Jesus, and we fall at your feet. And Jesus, we lift up all those places in our lives and in our world where we see death and sorrow and decay. And we pray with you in speaking life over those places. We speak life, we proclaim life, we proclaim wholeness, we proclaim healing, we proclaim freedom and forgiveness over those places, knowing that you have overcome the world. So God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your story in which our own little stories are woven. We pray your blessing on us, on those we love, on our world for hearts, minds, bodies, souls, imaginations that are healed and whole, that we might bring healing and wholeness to our world that so desperately needs you. In all this we pray in your strong and powerful name. Amen.